what's up, everyone? Thanks for joining me for Real Talk NFT. As you know, I'm your host, Brian. You know my brilliant co-host, Joe. And we have Ari Tro on today, who's the co-founder of XYO Network. They're introducing a new NFT analyst tool. Uh, we're really excited to have them on, learn all about it. Ari, how you doing today? Good, thanks. Uh, how are you, Brian? Hey, I'm doing great. So why don't we just dive right into it? Uh, you know, give us a little breakdown about yourself and maybe a little touch base about XYO and just the entire macro of the company. Well, so I have a, a pretty long background in uh, as being an entrepreneur and um, I got into the the blockchain space um, almost a decade ago now because uh, I got really fascinated by this this new space. And it's it's really uh, an interesting world, obviously, as you, know, you guys are, are aware of if you're in the NFTs or um, any of the, the Web3 technologies out there. Um, one of the, the things that, that we found with XYO was that we prefer sovereignty of data and sovereignty of functionality over um, shared uh, ledgers. Shared ledgers are great for money and for payments and you know, for Bitcoin, but when it starts becoming a thing for you know, processing data or or analyzing data, it becomes very prohibitive as far as performance and cost goes very quickly. So. Uh, um, our our blockchain project is, is structured very differently. And so we look at everything through a lens of sovereignty. And that's well, one of the reasons why we did this NFT analysis tool, because it both demonstrates how XYO works. And also it really analyzes the sovereignty of the um, the NFTs that are on there and uh, shows some of the, the side effects of, of bad sovereignty behavior. Just to follow up, give me a little like breakdown of your journey in the Web3 space. You've been in for a decade now. So what are some things that like what got you into the space, you know, 10 years ago and why are you here yeah. now? Well, I think um, um, you know, for everybody, for the most part out there, the um, the thing which got them interested and excited about it was the Bitcoin white paper. You know, it's um, it's it's you know, legendary and historically significant at this point. Um, it also is very concise and, and easy to understand. And it took me a little while to actually internalize it and come up with something to do. I think it was 2018 when I started actually working on uh, XYO and and a, a blockchain project there. So uh, it took a little while like you know, for most people for it to, to kind of bubble there. But um, I was really fascinated by it. But then um, we were working in a lot of uh, location services, my company at the time. So our first wave at the XYO thing was the location oracle aspect of it, which um, turns out to be very fascinating, but also turns out to be just a portion of what we can do with XYO. And so we've really, with XYO 2.0, we've expanded what we want to do with XYO to being much more of a sovereign data platform as opposed to just a location oracle. Nice. So give me a little breakdown about the NFT uh, analysis tool. Like how's that intertwined with XYO and just give us a full breakdown of the whole tool. So um, one of the, the things that's interesting about the tool is we wrote it the way that we want to write uh, dApps as uh, both an exercise for ourselves to dog food our technology and to demonstrate it. So when you run the tool in your browser, what happens is we actually set up and start uh, XYO node in the browser for you. Hmm. And uh, when that node runs, uh, we store our data locally uh, in uh, um, IndexedDB database on your browser. So it's a, basically a full-on um, app that's running in your browser there. Well, you can load some data you know, from our archivists and you can connect to, you know, to our services if you want to and, and do that. Uh, the one thing which is a little bit more difficult in there right now to do is to, to get some of the data. And I'll go into that a little bit with uh, the red screen of death issues that we've seen. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that <laughs> or with what the red screen of death is. So some of those things you can't do from the client for, for various reasons. Um, but you're, you're running a full node in the browser, and then you go and um, either get um, data from our, our shared archivists where 
if somebody else has already analyzed uh, uh, NFT or a collection, you can go and use that data as opposed to having to go reanalyze it and repull it yourself. So it has the balance between um, I can go ahead and do everything myself and also I can lean on existing data that somebody else has and has signed so I know that it's actually valid. Um, it loads in there and then um, shows you that, that data. We have little data buttons on most of the cards in the app so you can see what it is that's stored in XBIO that uh, is reflected in the UI. So you can see when we analyzed it, this is what we came up with. And some of the problems we see with NFTs are, um, are uh, either potentially broken uh, images or, um, or metadata or improperly supported um, interfaces like if it's a 1155 or a, um, a 721 and the interfaces aren't properly supported. Uh, upgradable contracts, I think, is a big problem. Um, you know, people kind of like the upgradable contracts because, well, you can go fix things. You know, like sometimes people want to move it from one chain to the other chain or whatever it is. But that also means that it's not sovereign and it's controlled by a central entity. So uh, we actually think we, we've personally frowned on upgradable contracts for NFTs or, or most contracts out there because it it de it decentral or it de decentralizes. Um, uh, a thing for you because now you have one person who's sitting there with a, a button that can actually affect everybody. So we look at things like that. We look at um, the red screen of death is actually an interesting one where an image could still be around, but if um, Google and some of those antivirus companies that they lean on to get databases, if they decided that a, 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 um, an IPFS file or uh, a website domain is something which is inappropriate you know, by whatever standards they have, they flag that as something which is dangerous. And you know, in some of the cases, it makes sense. Like say, for example, it was a scam where a person made an NFT which looks like a Bitcoin. And you, and you think you're buying a Bitcoin, but you're actually just buying some NFT a person made. It is a scam and you know, we probably should be able to alert that somehow. But what happens is if we even put a link on our site to that image that the person has there, they'll switch the um, browser to a, what I call a red screen of death, which says that there's a potentially dangerous content on this page basically making our page look like it's dangerous as opposed to the page that the link is to. So to be able to actually pull an image from, or if you make a call to that image, you can't do it either. So we can't even pull the image and make a thumbnail out of it client side. We have to do it server side to be able to get that. So that's another um, issue with a lot of NFTs out there that they've been, been shadow banned basically by Google um, because their images are now on the, the don't show list, if that makes sense. Yeah, I actually come from the domain world, believe it or not, spent 11 years there and a small change in a subdomain setting or, you know, you point in the wrong direction or not even that um, SSL certificates, that's like a huge one. Just there's no automation in terms of renewal and Google keeps on bringing down the renewal rates. And that brought not a red screen to death, like similar. It just caused death on the website and graphics overall. And I think a lot of people don't know that they uh, they think they own NFT, but really what they're owning is just code and script that points to uh, files and servers, like you mentioned. But um, IPFS seems to help solve that. Bitcoin's looking, you know, to do more stuff on chain and whatnot. Does the, does the on chain mechanism help solve that issue at all? Well, well definitely. So, you know, if if a person wanted to go full bore on NFT, um, they could actually store all this metadata and all the image data on chain. But to store a uh, 64K <laughs> image and you know, maybe 2K of metadata right. on Ethereum is going to cost you $70,000 in gas probably or something like that. It might even be larger than the maximum block size. So it's something which is prohibitive. The next best solution is IPFS where it's on there. Um, you know, another way to do it would be to store it on, on XYO because XYO is similar to IPFS, but it's more data-centric as opposed to file-centric as um, the way IPFS is. So um, one of the solutions that we're going to be launching next year is a way to 
to repair an NFT, where basically what we do is we go find the data. If we can get the data, we can um, store that on XYO so that if mm. you can't find it, it's kind of like a, like a, a shared um, public cache. The same way that um, OpenSea, for example, will have an image from an NFT, which is no longer retrievable because, you know, either the shirt broke, as he said, or it's got a red screen of death or um, the site's just down or you know, no one pinned it to IPFS, so it's gone. And in that case, they still have it in the cache somewhere. So they kind of fix it, but they don't really notify you that it's been fixed. Like I would think that OpenSea should put a little logo in the corner of the image and say, by the way, this, this image is broken. We still have it for you just so, you know, for reference. But if you're going to buy this this NFT, you should know that opening it up in EtherScan or in another viewer is probably not going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we ever addressed this on the podcast. I'm, I'm going to attach you with the R if you can, because I think you understand the history of IPFS maybe better than most. Is this something that's uh, revolutionary or has been around for a long time now? Um, can you kind of explain that to our audience? Because uh, they're on the um, earlier stages of the learning curve for Web3. So IPFS is a, a different take on Web3, I'd say, than, than most of the, um, the networks out there or the, the systems out there. It's kind of like XYO where it's, it's, it's really based on sovereignty and um, you hash files. So um, if I have a file which I store on my IPFS server and I hash it and you have the same file and you hash it and it comes to the same number, we basically have the same file. So mm-hmm. if you have two images, for example, that's bit for bit the exact same, we could end up with the same hash. And then, um, so if I were to say, well, I don't have this hash, but someone told me to go look at this hash, I can go to ask other people's servers, well, do you have this hash? And if they have that hash, they can give it to me. So it's kind of similar to torrents where you know, torrent has all these different mm-hmm. pieces of these files and they're shared and they're distributed across there. And um, I don't, I'm not really sure what IPFS's long-term goal is to be able to, um, you know, their, like their tokenomics or, or what they want to do with that. I think there's Filecoin out there, which is kind of a similar um, system mm-hmm. that, that does that as well. But the idea of it is that, you have decentralized storage that that goes on. One of the problems with IPFS is that um, you have to pin stuff. So um, if I'm if I care about a certain image, making sure it doesn't get forgotten, I have to pin it to my server because um, if my image gets deprioritized by everybody because they have limited space on each mm-hmm. of those IPFS servers. So if everybody decides that, well, I'm going to you know take this image out of my cache because no one's asked for it for a year, eventually it's possible that your image is not existing anymore on any one server at all. So the, the solution for that for most people is we'll set up your own IPFS server or get a hosted version from Infura or somebody like that, put your images on there and pin them. And then when you pin them, that means that they won't get taken off that server. But now basically you have only one server that's pinning them. This will get distributed to the other servers kind of like a cache. So it works very similar to DNS, if a person's familiar with DNS, where you have the, the, the start of authority for a DNS thing, which is kind of like your pinned server and everybody else is really just a cache. But if you, you know, change something on your on your sort of authority, the caches take a while for it to work through there, and then you know it might take up to a day for it to propagate out there. So the model is very similar to DNS, and DNS also is a similar sovereign way of having naming on the internet. So I'm, I'm a big fan of DNS as well. Obviously, you have you know, ICANN and then those controls over you know, the structures of it, but still, it's um, it's a similar sort of a structure there. So that's how IPFS works. And so it's the next best thing to storing data rather than just putting it on a S3 bucket in um, AWS and mm-hmm. having it potentially go away when you haven't paid your bill or not renewed your your cert. Yeah, you brought up nightmares when you um, mentioned DNS. That is a uh, blessing and a curse for corporate America here, especially in Silicon Valley. I dealt with a lot of Fortune 500 companies where they didn't know how to protect their DNS. You know, it's, it's a very big issue. And it so happens today, Google got hijacked by the uh, uh, a lot of big 
firms are vulnerable um, through DNS. So uh, that's a very big issue. And imagine that might creep into the NFT world one day when, you know, uh, if it gets big enough or if there's a, a fit for a cause for, for some of these people to uh, <laughs> take control, they would do that, huh? And they could actually, I think that might've, I'm not sure if that's happened. This actually happened one time, I think in the NFT world where they changed the imaging. I forgot if you don't remember, Brian, there's a project that changed the image and it was come and all the holders are like, what is going on? Why is all my pictures completely different? All right, dumb this down a little bit for me. A lot of acronyms, a lot of numbers, a lot of token callouts. Uh, I'm definitely following you, but I just want to make sure that like our audience like fully understands like the tool and how it works. Can you give me just some like ideas of like a real world use cases? Like why would I'm, I'm a big NFT collector? A lot of people in our audience are. Why would we come to the site? What are the advantages of coming to the site, and what can we really you know get uh, benefits from? Well, the site tells you different things than things like OpenSea does. You know, they're obviously conflicted because they're trying to sell these things and they're trying to um, to be an exchange. Sure. We don't have that that interest at all. So uh, one thing which we don't do is we don't delist tokens. Um, we found that a lot of tokens, if I look at someone's wallet, uh, and one of the ways I kind of test it is I go to like a, a large wallet on um, Etherscan and just look at some random wallet out there and see what they have. But uh, probably on most wallets, we see about 30% of the tokens on there are um, have some sort of problem with their data, whether it's the uh, metadata or the image. Uh, it wow. could be a, um, a if, even if it's on IPFS, sometimes the URL they put into the, the Solidity code is a IPFS proxy as opposed to an actual IPFS link. So it'll be HTTPS colon slash slash Infura, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And some of those, I think it was something like, like IPFS.io, for example. And if that service goes down, well, now your IPFS link isn't even an IPFS link anymore. It's really just a, a HTTPS link thinking it's an IPFS link. So we see that. But about a third of all the, the uh, items we see are um, are broken in some sort of way um, that way. Um, probably about 50% of the items we see in most wallets, most larger wallets we see out there, are ones you can't even see on OpenSea anymore. So if a person goes to OpenSea and says, hey, you know, here's my wallet, thinking that this is the entire inventory of their wallet, it's just not true because mm-hmm. um, OpenSea yeah. has decided that they have problems with certain ones. And some of them, you know, legitimately so, they you know they might be scams or they might be airdrops or that you don't really want, but we rather take the approach where we'll show you those and if we can, we'll mark them appropriately. And we'll mark them, you know, this one's data is broken or this one's data is, you know, this is Very a nice. scam, you know, a known scam from a, or whatever it is, but we don't want to make that decision for you that, you know, you, you can't see what's in your own wallet. Um, so that's the other problem that a person can see in, in that's the solution there. And then the last one is, um, you know, the, the, the top tier ones that are out there, you can see how yours ranks to the other, uh, tokens in that same collection. So for example, you know, the rarity versus other ones, and even, even just the, the, the brokenness, we found some collections where, for example, a person had all their HTTPS images working for all their NFTs, except for they must have tried to update one of them in S3 but didn't set the, the permissions correctly on that new file they uploaded. So there's, there's one NFT out of a collection which has an error when you try to get the image, but the rest of them work. So it's not like their entire system where their, their DNS didn't get renewed or their HTTPS didn't get renewed. The, one, they somehow broke one of their images, only one of their images. And so finding out, well, do I have that NFT that's broken out of this collection? You know, obviously, large collections like Bored Apes doesn't have this problem because they're sure. minding their business there and getting it, getting it done. But a lot of the smaller NFTs, especially ones where funding has gone away or the interest has, has waned, um, somebody has to pay the bills for the, the back end of it. And unless you use IPFS, but even if you use IPFS, you have to pay for the pinning. Hmm. 
Yeah, that's interesting. That's a, so so part of the part of the advantage of the tool is definitely be able to like almost verify some of these NFTs in your collections because you know a lot of the time I'll get like airdrop something or receive an NFT and I'm I have no idea. It goes in my hidden folder in OpenSea and I'm not sure if it's a scam. I'm not sure if I should get rid of it, cancel it, delete it, sell it, list it. I'm scared to interact with it. So yeah. your uh, tool will actually be able to identify like a deeper level within that collection. Well, first and foremost, it provides transparency. So um, I think just hiding things arbitrarily is not the solution. Providing transparency into the fact that you have it. And then uh, uh, one of the things which we haven't built yet, which we thought about is we can go and witness whether or not this is on OpenSea and then put a, a little logo there for you and say, well, OpenSea has banned this, this thing for some reason. So mm -hmm. if they think it's a scam, but we shouldn't hide the thing from you. We should just notify you that OpenSea yeah. doesn't actually you know, carry this. Or potentially OpenSea has hidden it, but a different exchange hasn't hidden it whatever the case is. So we're, I'm a dataist um, from a philosophical standpoint. So um, the more data, the better. I, I think um, security through transparency is a lot better than security through obfuscation. And a lot of people feel that, you know, having Big Brother, whether it's, it's OpenSea or the government or anybody, having them go and, and edit my data for me so I don't hurt myself, to me, seems to be very slippery slope that I don't want to go down. Yeah, I see that you have different rating categories, and I know you mentioned maybe you can showcase um, us on the screen share how that works. Because I, I look at my wallet that I inputted, and I think it's very early beta stages, and everything looks great so far. But what I personally would like to see how this tool advances and can help me out um, protect, you know, one my assets and make better analysis and what to do because it's largely be, uh, it's becoming a larger part of my portfolio. To be honest, uh, as we move forward uh, with Web three, and I'm, I'm excited about that. Yeah, we're definitely still working on the on the um, the ranking systems. You know, right now, um, you know, generally speaking, if you look through a collection, you know, the the bottom third is going to be you know sub five five point rate, uh, ratings, and the, the top third is going to be you know north of eight probably. Um, one thing which we don't uh, really reflect very well in there is we don't we don't um, grade aggressively against each other. So for example, we didn't want to say, well, on board apes, the worst board ape gets a one and the best board ape gets a 10. Mm -hmm. We didn't want to say that because now you think that your board ape is a one, but you know, yeah. so it's kind of like the question of how does it score relative to other board apes and how does it score relative to other NFTs is two different questions and you have to kind of weight those. And so uh, working on a system where uh, looking at my NFTs versus all NFTs at large is kind of a different scoring system than than comparing them to other NFTs in their own collection. So, right. um, really making the UI so it's clear which one of those two modes am I in right now is something which we're we're trying to design to be as intuitive as possible. Yeah, I see that there's different categories: empirical, temporal, and subjective, and those are of interest to me. And I can't wait for those, you know, to really be built out. You know, one of the things which we don't have in there is um, you know, we, we show you kind of in the image itself. If you, if you, I don't know if you have any on your um, your wallet where it says like broken image, for example. If you have like a yellow broken image um, on any of them, that's the way you can. You know, we don't add that to the score just yet, but that's how you can tell that that image for some reason there's something wrong with it. If you click on the little broken image, if you click on the mm -hmm. XBIO logo on there when you hover over it, it'll tell you what what went wrong. Like whether it's a um, gotcha. Yeah, a bad request, or if it's a DNS problem, or the you know, server didn't connect, or whatever's happening there. So, um, those are probably the worst ones for you, is the broken image ones where like something has gone wrong there. Uh, on the bottom, sometimes you'll see also ones that say image error. The image error ones usually mean that um, it'll say like missing missing metadata. That means that the attempt for us to retrieve the metadata failed, and we couldn't actually get those. Um, 
and so kind of like, no, that's, that's step one. Step two is actually getting the image. So it's even worse if you can't get the metadata at all. Hey, are you, do you want to do a screen share? Just I'm curious how user-friendly this is for like, you know, some of our audience who's new to NFTs and obviously new to your platform. If you have those capabilities, we'd love to get up. Oh, there he goes. There we go. So this is a, a wallet, which is a random person's wallet from Etherscan, a uh, person who owns at least one board ape. And um, I went to the wallet and grabbed stuff there. So you can see, you know, these top ones here are nine point uh, something on there. And as you scroll down, um, you know, it gets a little bit, little bit lower. But the ones that are interesting, uh, you, know, you can see the, the attributes and the, the details. And these things. That one, for example, has no attributes at all. So it gets dinged on the, the attributes and it has a, um, no external mm -hmm. URL. On it. So that's what those get dinged for. But um, here, this is an example of a broken image. And um, they have different reasons for broken images. So if you click on the little XYO logo, it'll show you like where the image is according to the smart contract. It says, well, this is the location of the image. But when we tried to retrieve it, um, we got a bad request from the, from the server. And so that's why it didn't work. So what a person can do is they can grab this thing and put it into their browser and see if they try and load it themselves, what, what, what happens. And generally speaking, if you, you know, just paste that into your browser, you're going to get the same error that we did. Um, see if there's any other ones here. That, these are probably all the same because um, all these RIM US error, whatever those are, are probably having the same problem because their server has that issue. Um, Interesting. And then like these have, have lower scores here because... Um, the, oh, the the image variants. So all of them have the same image. So that's probably. So we said, well, if every NFT in this thing, same thing has the exact same image, that's not very interesting. So we said, so, you know, the image variance is pretty poor there. It has no attributes at all. Um, so empty attributes. So that's why that one got got dinged down here. So that, so the image variance is very poor, and there's no attributes whatsoever, um, and there's no description um, in the metadata that comes with it, which. Uh, means that there's no, that's why there's, there's no text in here. Most of these up here, as you can see, have uh, little text up there, like this collection. So this is the description that comes from the metadata, which um, most NFTs have. So if they don't have a description, that's kind of strange. And then um, if going further down here, let me close this guy. Um, you can see these here where it says missing metadata. So these guys have the, the problem where um, they don't have metadata coming back from them. So if this is an ERC-721, but the um when we called it we could not get uh we, we could either not get that from the smart contract but more likely when we try to get that metadata from a server it also failed uh, we'll probably change this error message to have a little more details kind of like the image one here where i'll tell you the exact reason why the load of the metadata failed as well and then um so if you can't get the metadata obviously we can't get the image because the image is specified in the metadata that's there as well so those are the probably the, the two big categories of of technically broken um, images. Something also I tend to do is um, I go in here and I'll hit um, OpenSea, for example, and then that one's on OpenSea, but then go on to this guy here, which is a broken image, and you go to OpenSea, and OpenSea has the image there, hmm. correct? But yeah. if I go to this, this image here and grab this guy, Hit that error, which is a it looks like that's what I was talking about before, where um, they they changed the permissions in S3 or something like that for this one because they updated this file. So this file specifically for that NFT is now broken, but 
OpenSea still has it because they cached it. So they, they got it some time ago when it was working, but now it's no longer working. But if you go to OpenSea, you're like, hey, I want to buy this guy here. You're thinking this is a fully functional NFT on, on OpenSea, but sure. it's not. It's actually broken. Yeah, it looks like someone's still offering 140 bucks for it. <laughs> it's not even working. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, just okay, just so I fully understand. So OpenSea is essentially using um, an image that's outdated. Stored data. It's like stored in their local like internet provider type of thing. So that when you retrieve it, it doesn't take as long. Wow, yeah, well, I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. Well, for performance reasons, you have to cache those images, right? Because you can't just yeah. load the image from IPFS every single time that you're from the HTTPS or wherever you're hooking up every single time. So you put it in the local S3 or local cache, but they don't seem to expire that cash at all. So if hmm. you know, this could have been a year ago when this image was taken and put into their S3 locally. And so as far as they're concerned, it still works, but they didn't verify that is it still there. All they did was it was there at one point when I when we went to get it originally. Um, Etherscan actually does the opposite, which is kind of funny. Um, I've seen that on there where they will have a broken image because of when they try to get it, it was broken and then it got fixed <laughs> and then they never went and checked it again. And so it stays broken forever. So um, uh, Etherscan is aggressive in the opposite direction where they don't retry failures and um, um, OpenSea does the opposite. They don't retry successes. Interesting. So Ari, I, uh, I, know, I know this is getting released soon. I know you said it's in the beta version, but I, I think it's, it's going to be released to the public very soon, correct? Well, it's, you know, a person can go up there right now and use it. It's, it's available on our website. It's just... We haven't released it from the standpoint it's very beta still because we're trying to figure out well, what are the right things people want to have in there as right. far as the, um, the scores and those sorts of things go. So like te technologically, it works really well, but is it the solution that people are looking for? So what we want to do is um, you know, have people go out there, try it. You know, they can go to the search and just paste in you know, their wallet address here or a contract. So if you have the contract for board apes, whatever it is, or your wallet address, you can paste it in there and hit search. We'll go ahead and analyze it. If we haven't analyzed it yet, it will it will you know, take some time for it to go analyze it and load all the images. Cool. And once it's done, it will um, show you those results. And if people find ones where they're like, "Well, I disagree with the score because you know we did something wrong," then you know we can go ahead and research that to see if if we're missing something or we did something wrong there. Or um, say, for example, you know if it's if it's now fixed, but we haven't successfully reflected the fact that it's fixed, we can go and change our our system to go and recheck it. But what will happen for most people is if you go, for example, into our, our system here, um, if you have a broken one, you can always hit refresh. So, so say, for example, if you well, is this one still here? If I hit refresh here, it will try and get it again. And it will if it's currently broken, it will switch to a broken image. So you can basically uh, retry successes and retry failures on our system manually by just hitting the little refresh button here. Uh, we're going to be adding a similar button for the metadata where it's like, well, if the metadata broke you know, since last time, you can go and re refresh it and it'll be in that state for you there. Since we keep all this also on our blockchain, uh, a thing which we'll be able to add on there is the history of all these polls. So you can be like, oh, you know, for these, this period of time, the image worked and then, you know, here's two weeks it didn't work and then here's six weeks it did work. So we can even show you a graph of like an uptime, uh, uptime graph for an NFT as long as somebody went and, um, and polled them for those periods. Yeah. All right, can you click on the how we rate um, section really quickly? Because I think I'm super excited about, because I think what you got down is the empirical Oops. categories. And um, the temporal and subjective is something I'm really interested in, because I have a lot of NFTs with a lot of um, quote unquote utilities, 
but interesting to see, or I'm interested to see how dynamically that could uh, affect the score of your rating system. So I think that's super exciting. Um, so on the heels of that, is there any NFTs or Web3 applications of NFTs that, or even idealistic ones that you you might be excited about? Well, so one of the interesting things about um, utility of NFTs is you have um, sovereign utility and you have non-sovereign utility, right? So if a person says, well, you know, you own a board ape and you can get into the board ape club in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. well, what happens if the board ape club in Las Vegas goes out of business? You can no longer get into it, right? So it's not, it's not really sovereign, you know, the, or if the bouncer doesn't believe you that you have a board ape or whatever it is, you know, he's not going to let you go in. So that's kind of a, it's a non-sovereign utility because it's still subject to somebody else's authority on whether or not you can get that benefit. Um, a utility where uh, it's sovereign is if I have this NFT, I can now interact, for example, with a smart contract on Ethereum. Mm-hmm. Um, the smart contract's going to be judging that, and it's something which no one can take away from me as long as I have that NFT. But if I lo- lose that NFT, then it goes away. Or if it's, for example, is attached to a, a digital um, uh, document of some sort where it says, well, my, my one one hundredth ownership in a house, for example, is, is inscribed in a smart contract. That's something which is much more objective. So I, I think differentiating between uh, sovereign and non-sovereign utility for NFTs is something that's important for people mm-hmm. to do. Um, the, the non-sovereign ones are difficult because there's no way for us to even really get an a, a easy list of that. There's, there's no... Um, meta structure that they, that is 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 used that's this generic across all NFTs that says, well, here's our enumeration of the benefits you get with this NFT because people want to be able to change it ad hoc, which is one of the problems with those non-sovereign things because besides whether or not they let you into the, you know, the, the board ape club, they can add or remove benefits whenever they want to. Right. Yeah, definitely. The non-sovereign ones are definitely, I've seen really bad cases of that where, um, Coachella, they were on FTX and um, you're supposed to get lifetime benefits, but they got like locked up in bankruptcy. So the, the utility there, to your point, is basically non-existence anymore. And one that I think is pretty, um, I'm pretty bullish on or I'm excited about is some um, dynamic NFTs. I'm not sure if that fits into the sovereign category that you mentioned, but uh, people did a case where he had sort of like a dynamic NFT, like an artwork in a museum. And for um, visitors there, it was able to change um, through an oracle of sorts. So that's something I'm excited about, and uh, hopefully it fits in that sovereign category. Um, and I would like to see that a little bit more. Yeah, I think in many of those cases, it's, it comes down to how it's implemented, right? It's, I think you can make dynamic NFTs that are non-sovereign, and you can make the dynamic NFTs that are sovereign. And uh, we haven't gone really down that rabbit hole yet with this tool as far as, well, how do you determine the sovereignty of the data that's coming from the, the dynamic NFT? If it's coming from a video camera somewhere, the video camera gets bumped or moved or whatever it is, uh, and you can no longer see the updates that's being made to the piece of art that's in the museum, that's got some sovereignty problems. Where if that, that artwork is a digital piece of artwork where it just is, you know, there's a screenshot, for example, on a domain, and as that changes, um, it's, you know, it's literally mm-hmm. um, retrievable without any sort of thing. It becomes much more sovereign. And so the, the question of, of how sovereign is something, and I don't think, you know, we're not unreasonable from the standpoint that we know that, that the practicality of achieving full sovereignty is something which is not, you know, that possible from a, a cost standpoint. Like I was saying before to you guys that, uh, you know, if you store the images and all the metadata and everything inside of your smart contract, um, it that's the most sovereign approach to NFTs. But it's also going to cost you, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to actually mint the NFT in gas. 
So finding either layer twos, finding things like XYO or IPFS as a way to store those mm-hmm. makes them much more sovereign. But um, there's also a difference between data permanence from the standpoint that you can't change it, really immutability, and data permanence from the standpoint you can't lose that data. And so uh, NFTs have both of those problems sometimes, right? In some cases, like take the, the IPFS example, I can't change what the image is because the hash has to match. So it's completely immutable. So that, that, that gives you some good sovereignty. The image can still be lost from the standpoint of no one pinned it. Uh, I can't retrieve the image, but it can't be changed. Now, if the image is on an HTTPS server with no hash, I can just go and change the image to whatever it is. I can you know, make something offensive that's on there and suddenly your NFT has got you know, some politically charged thing on it. And, you know, how did that happen? So um, the, the difference between um, the inability to lose something and the inability to change something is something that's very important for people to think about for NFTs. And uh, I think it's having something which is, is immutable but losable is way better than having something that's both mutable and losable. Nice. I know you said when you were uh, going through the uh, presentation here that the community can provide uh, feedback. How do they go about doing that? Well, the easiest way to do it is just to, you know, to email our support, and uh, you can do it there. Um, people also tweet at me on Twitter, so uh, I'm easy to find on Twitter. It's just um, I'm Ari Tro on, on there. You know, my, I have a fortunate, really unique name, so it's easy to find me in the world. It's, also, it's hard to hide, I suppose. But um, so yeah, so so tweet me uh, at me on, on Twitter is one of the best ways to do it. Um, or uh, we have a Discord as well. So uh, if you go to our Discord channel on there, there's conversations about things. So you can you know, put bug reports there. Um, also, if you use GitHub, for example, you can make an open image in GitHub in one of our um, our public repositories, um, our open source repositories there. So there's a variety of ways for you to be able to get that feedback to us. Um, we'll probably be adding a, a feedback button on our website um, fairly soon to have a, a way for a person to just uh, message us on there. Are we are the are our customers are are um, going to this uh, website right here that we're looking at? Are they going to XYO first and then linking? What's the best way to get to the uh, tool? Oh, they can just go to this website. So if you go to Forever Inventory, which is the the root of our um, our you know, public DApps, uh, basically for that XY Labs uh, creates for XYO. We have two things in here. We have a Netflix tool where basically you can download your data from Netflix and then it will give you reports on there. And it's <laughs> nice. a way to reclaim your data from Netflix. Um, and then we uh-huh. have this Rate My NFTs on here. So if you go here and you click on Rate My NFTs, it'll take you to this page where you can start off there. So either put in your contract address or your wallet address that you want to look at, or just if you hit the top NFT collections, it will show you these are the, uh, this is an arbitrary list that we compiled from the internet. And you know, we grabbed a few different top lists out there and just um, pop them in here. But you can see this one here, for example, is one that's that's fairly uh, popular, but it's got some issues as far as uh, some of their their loading goes. Um, they have broken images. So I think this is a, a top NFT that has died. Um, let's see if OpenSea, you know, OpenSea still seems to have them, but. Oh yeah, there it is. So it's kind of interesting to see, you know, uh, and, and maybe they're just down temporarily. I'm not sure, but uh, it's always kind of interesting in there. And then uh, if you want to search in here, you can be like, you know, putting. I'm going to personally spend a couple hours today putting in all my random wallets to see what's what's happening with some of my NFTs. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's it's definitely, you know, I, I, I can spend a lot of time going through here and I'm just like, oh, that's interesting. And honestly, some of the things, yeah, I'll, I'll learn about NFTs where 
like a, a person used some some strange shape of metadata that I was unaware is supported by people because there's no like universal spec for the metadata, unfortunately. And so for us to know like um, you know, what's the metadata that they should have, I think most people have conformed to what OpenC has published as their metadata structure, but there is no spec for 721s or for 1155s that have uh, a shape for the metadata that's provided. And so, um, yeah, some people will use, instead of image, they'll use, like, say, image underscore cart. And now we can't find the image. And um, one of the, the, the tough questions for us is, um, what what should we expect? Like, like, if a person doesn't conform to any sort of a standard whatsoever, if they just put in, you know, RE image, for example, as the image, it's like at some point, like, that should get dinged because you've completely decided to not go along with the flow and expose your images in a way that people can find them. Very cool. Yeah, the tool looks very interesting. It's There's not many tools, if any, out there like this. And I'm definitely personally interested to kind of see what my wallets hold, like I said earlier. Um, I, I guess my last question for you, I know you're this is a, a new uh, tool and you're kind of building it out. Are there any new like updates you're really excited for or, um, you know, anything coming down the pipeline here? Um, well, I think the, the thing I'm most excited about is our uh, Builder Bounty Program that we're going to be launching in January or you know, Q1 where people can more easily create their own additions to our tools and um, make their own tools with our technology. And um, so it's kind of being able to make dApps without writing solidity. You can, you can make dApps using um, a, a data-centric approach, which is how XYL works. Basically, you code, it's kind of somewhere in the if this and that, Zapier sort of a, a way if you do the very high-level data-centric approach to it. And so for people to be able to augment tools or even you know, a person can take this and they can say, okay, well, you know, if I go to, to this data here, um, you can see the, um, the hash, actually, I'll put on display here. Should, but um, you can get the, the hash for this specific token. And then if they want to, they can make their own renderer for that. So they can call XYO, get that data from XYO, and they can make an advanced renderer for NFTs if they want to from the data that we've collected from our witnesses. Hmm. So seeing what people are going to be able to make, whether it's a ground up solution or augmentations and say advanced viewers for our data or even you know, additional storage devices where you know, we use uh, we have an in-memory or the index db and mongodb archivists right now but people could make other archivists as well so i'm really excited to see what people are make with that and then you know, as we continue to add functionality to these nfts um or the nft ratings uh, just what we learn about uh, what's not sovereign out there and to, to a large degree my personal quest is that it's to expose the erosion of sovereignty on the internet that people have experienced over the last decade or more. Um, I'm one of those you know, older internet users. Uh, I remember when the internet came around, uh, which you guys are probably both too young to remember. So um, the internet was a lot different 20 years ago. There was a lot more excitement about discovering things and finding things. And now it's spoon fed to everybody. It's almost like a, a really bad video game <laughs> with good graphics. Um, and so I, I kind of, I'd rather play the original Zelda with bad graphics and great game design than a modern, you know, game that's got amazing graphics that's completely boring. And mm -hmm. I feel like the, the internet's really moved towards that largely because of that, that erosion of sovereignty and understanding what's going on there. And so poking holes into that and saying, well, you know, this is the truth of what's going on there is interesting to me. And so finding other places besides NFTs to go and explore that that philosophy is something I'm very excited about. Yeah, very cool. It's a very cool website. I'm excited to dig deep. Like I said, um, just for all the listeners out there, um, we'll absolutely post the link to 
uh, the tool and the website. And obviously, we'll connect uh, Ari's Twitter so you could drive him crazy and hammer him with all your <laughs> questions and concerns. Uh, Ari, we really appreciate you joining us today. Um, really good stuff. Excited to see how the tool develops further. Um, hopefully, we'll have you on in the future as the, as the tool develops and you know becomes kind of a, a tool every NFT uh, collector is using every day. Thank you very much for having me on. All right. Thanks. Thanks, everyone, for joining Real Talk NFT, and we'll talk to you soon.